0: Hello, dear listener, and welcome to another episode of Dakota Spotlight. Do you want to dive deeper into this story? Do you want to get episodes early and listen without ads? Well, you get all of that and more for as little as $5 a month. Go to dakotaspotlight.com and check out Spotlight+. Plus. You're listening to Dakota Spotlight, a production of Forum Communications. My name is James Wallner, and this is episode one of season six, Vanishing Act, the untold story of Kristen Deedee, and Bob Anderson
1: one
2: eight taxi. Via Alpha.
1: Dark and cold and it was just a really, really isolated place. I mean it's just very rural.
0: In 1995, a TV news reporter named Dan McDonald and his cameraman boarded a small propeller airplane and were flown from Minneapolis, Minnesota to south-central North Dakota, where the pilot landed on a lonely airstrip outside a tiny town named Wishick.
1: Nothing more than a strip. Well, there was a building, but a very small little building where you signed in on a log when you took off or when you landed nobody working it actively. There was no, like, air control, air traffic, or anything like that.
0: The news team had come to the area to ask questions about a man and a woman who had vanished while visiting the town two years earlier.
1: It was a very memorable trip because it was scary,
0: I'll be honest with you. The missing persons were 32-year-old Bob Anderson and 30-year-old Kristen Joy Deedee. One weekend in 1993, the couple had traveled by car from Bloomington, Minnesota to Kristen's hometown of Wishick to visit some of Kristen's friends and extended family. Then they vanished, never to be seen again. While reporting there, Dan McDonald thought that most everyone in this small farming community would be overjoyed that a journalist was finally asking questions about these missing people. That feeling quickly changed when they went to a farm outside of town, the last known destination of Bob Anderson and Kristen Beattie.
1: It was hostile. It was, you get off our property. We have nothing to say to you. Get off my property or I can make you get off my property.
0: What the reporter thought would make for a straightforward and important news story evaporated as he met with closed doors and dead ends. Then the news team discovered they were being followed and watched.
1: Because everywhere we went, it seemed to be the same pickup truck was within a couple hundred yards of us.
0: When the news team decided it was perhaps time to leave the area, the mysterious pickup truck followed them to the airstrip.
1: A, a, A very ominous presence, like, what is going on here? We were certainly not welcome in this town.
0: It's been almost 27 years since McDonald left the North Dakota town without any real answers, and over all those years, Bob Anderson and Kristen Dede never returned. They are to this day simply gone, vanished. When McDonald was recently told that Dakota Spotlight Podcast would revisit this case, that we would revisit Wishick. And the same people he had attempted to question in 1995, he had a word of advice.
1: Be really careful. You know, I just would
0: be really careful. Welcome to Vanishing Act, the untold story of Kristen Deedee and Bob Anderson. This is episode one. Hey, Lilo, what about. Do you want to swing with your sister?
2: I've never been to this park, but I was recommended You've by reality. You've never been here?
3: No. I've even been
0: here. Wow. <laughs> that is the voice of 31-year-old Chase Anderson speaking with me in early October 2021. We're in a small public park in western Wisconsin. It's a beautiful and crisp Sunday afternoon, and everywhere I look, in the trees and in the grass, I see amazing fall colors, reds, bronze, rust, yellows, burgundies, and browns. On this Sunday, families are everywhere, and in a grove of trees, two professional photographers are taking family portraits in front of a sea of beautiful autumn leaves. There's a look of excited anticipation in the faces of these young families, as if they can imagine all of the family fun on their horizon. Trick-or-treating, Thanksgiving, building a snowman, winter holidays. 31-year-old Chase Anderson is a family man, too. On this day, he's brought along his two daughters and his partner, Rhiannon. Rhiannon is 24 years old, the mother of Chase's younger daughter, Wren. Wren is a seven-month-old giggly bundle of happiness.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
3: Look
0: Wren sits perched in her mother's arms and looks on as her half-sister, six-year-old Lila, swings, slides, and runs in the playground.
1: Can we um, go to this rookie forest?
0: I follow along and watch Chase Anderson as he pushes his six-year-old daughter, Lila, on the swing, and he plays right along with her.
2: The other side? Should we? Let's do it. I'm going to go in here. All right.
0: I think to myself, fatherhood sure comes to him naturally, but maybe I think that because I happen to know he wasn't taught anything by his own father.
2: The only emotional part is, is that I never got to see or experience how a father interacts with his children.
0: Because Chase Anderson grew up mostly without a family.
2: My mom dropped me off at my grandma's house when I was two, and then I stayed with her until I was ten.
0: And Chase's father, Bob Anderson, was not around either. As a child, Chase was told that his father, Bob, had abandoned him and his sister in Bloomington, Minnesota. He just took off and left them. He ran off with a woman named Kristen. That's what Chase was told... And so, of course, that's what Chase believed. Your grandma told you that your father ran off. Yep. Is that because that's, thats what she knew? All she knew, or you yeah, know? that was the. She didn't have any connection
2: with the other side, my dad's side of the family, um, as far as I know.
0: And so, perhaps one should not be too surprised to learn that Chase went looking in the wrong places to cope with life's challenges. Chase Anderson spent about ten and a half years in active addiction on meth
2: and heroin. And I used that to to numb myself from the emotions and everything going on in my life, run from everything, figured out the hard way that uh, if I don't, you know, face life on life's terms, I'm never going to be who I want to be for my kids. How long have you been sober now? Two years and three months.
0: Hi again, it's me, James. I just want to tell you about Spotlight Plus. It is a subscription to the Dakota Spotlight podcast that allows you to listen to these same episodes without ads and you get access to them before anyone else. Your subscription will also unlock access to exclusive episodes, the Spotlight Plus newsletter, videos, pictures, documents, and more. All at the same time, you will be supporting me and Dakota Spotlight. Please check out Spotlight Plus by going to dakotaspotlight.com. Thank you for your support. Years before Chase became a father himself, he embarked on a quest to find the man that had abandoned him as a child, to find his own father, Bob Anderson. Perhaps to confront him, to ask him, why? Why did you just walk away from me and my sister? What did we do wrong? What happened?
2: I was 15 or 16 years old. Um, I got in touch with my Uncle Dean.
0: Dean Anderson, his father's brother. Maybe his uncle Dean knew where his dad was living. Maybe he had a phone number, or last address, or even the name of a town, a state, or anything that might point Chase in the right direction. But nothing could have fully prepared Chase Anderson for what his uncle told him that day. In an instant, everything he had believed about his father became unraveled and undone. And he told you, oh, no, he's missing. Is yeah. that he's the one who told you?
2: Yep. And he gave me all the information that he had throughout the years, the, gave me all the details that he had on it, and then told me where to, to look for the investigators.
0: Bob Anderson had not abandoned his son or the rest of his family. He hadn't run off with anyone. Instead, Bob had vanished on a trip to North Dakota with his girlfriend, Kristen Deedy, never to be seen again.
2: Years and years of, of, you know, thinking that he ran off and he, my father didn't, you know, love me. And, and then having that through my childhood, it's really been a hard struggle to flip that over and realize that it wasn't his choice, it was somebody else's choice.
0: Yes, Chase's father was a missing person, officially a missing person, with a police file and investigators and everything. Investigators who believe Bob Anderson and Kristen Didi were murdered their disappearance remains a mystery to this day. And since that discovery some 15 years ago, Chase Anderson has been on a different kind of quest. No longer a quest to confront his own father, but instead to find answers, to find justice, and to simply understand what did happen to his father and the woman that was with him, Kristen Deedy. Law enforcement come out from North Dakota to talk to you. Yeah. How did that go?
2: Really well. It was, it was really surreal. We're finally getting on the meat and potatoes about what's going on or what they know, um, what they think.
0: And Chase Anderson is not the only person who wants to know what happened to Bob Anderson and Kristen Deedee. For example, I want to know. I've been blogging about this story for several years. And then there are Bob Anderson's siblings and some family members of the missing woman, Kristen Dede, And of course, there is law enforcement in North Dakota. The North Dakota Attorney General's website lists the disappearance as an ongoing cold case. Whee! As I'm packing up to leave the park, I realize how at first glance, Chase Anderson and his family look much like any of the other families in the park. They too are ready for family portraits and Halloweens and holidays. And yet somehow something is also missing and unfinished. The fact that we're gonna finally do a podcast uh, podcast about your missing father. How are you feeling right now?
2: I'm anxious, kinda nervous. What do you hope
0: comes from this podcast?
2: Now that I have another daughter, you know, it's... I really would like to have something to say, hey, I know you can't meet your grandpa, you know, your grandpa, but here's what we know,
0: you know. Mm-hmm. We need to hold on, no. While their youngest daughter, Wren, is far too young to understand any of this, Chase has shared some of the story about his dad with his six-year-old, Lila. Hey, Lila, what do you know about your daddy's daddy?
2: They couldn't find your daddy. Yeah. We're still looking
0: for him you think, you think we'll find him? No. Why is that? Because. I told Chase I wanted to introduce him to someone else who wants to know what happened to Bob Anderson and Kristen Deedee. so I pulled out my phone, made a call and hit the loudspeaker button. Chase meet Jeremy, Jeremy meet Chase.
2: Hey Jeremy, how's it going? Hey,
0: good how are you I'm doing good. This is Jeremy Fugelberg, a colleague of mine at Forum Communications.
2: Yeah, no, it's...
0: it's... He is a journalist based in South Dakota and has years of experience doing investigative reporting in politics, business, and healthcare.
1: I mean, I think there's some good we can do here. And, uh, you know, obviously, you know... uh,
0: I am very excited to announce that Jeremy is teaming up with me on this sixth season of Dakota Spotlight, a story that's going to take a lot of hard work and the kind of seasoned reporting experience that Jeremy brings to the project. Chase, it was great seeing you again. I'm going to hit the road, but uh, it's always good to see you. Thanks. Always good to see you, my friend.
3: 24 hours ago, I found out the person that I'd been dating and seeing for the last six months. As a con man. That is my sister, Emma. I'm Sarah Ferris, true crime podcaster. And I'm Catherine Schweit, the former head of the FBI's active shooter program. And we have a, well, not so gently named podcast called Stop the Killing. Yep, there's a clue in the title. We need your help to end the global mass shooting epidemic. Find out how as we bring you the stories right from the source.
0: If you would have told me that a Columbine could happen at Columbine, I would have said no way.
3: I
2: remember just thinking, he's got a gun. Something rose up inside, and I said, not my
0: school. What we can't underestimate is the power that individuals could have in stopping these school shootings. My little boy, Alex, was murdered. If we can fix the failures, we can save lives.
1: My daughter, Elena, was killed. She'd want me to do something
3: about this. I know she would do something about it. Join us and be part of the solution. Subscribe now to Stop the Killing Podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your true crime podcasts.
0: Hey, Jeremy, welcome to Season 6 of Dakota Spotlight Podcast. I'm so excited to have you here, man.
1: Thanks, James. I'm really
0: excited to be part of this with you. So what are your thoughts on all this?
1: Well, I'll tell you. I mean, obviously, we've been working on this now uh, for a few months, and we've uncovered an awful lot. But, you know, I'll say coming in fresh on this at first, and this is what I usually do if I'm reporting is you go straight to figuring out what are the basic kind of known facts that are out there, right? like sure. where where do you start? Yeah. Um, and so so for me, as we looked at it, kind of what the foundation um, of the work that you've done that we've done together, these are facts that are the best facts that we start with. It comes from limited information from law enforcement and from some very limited reporting from the past from other folks. Uh, but these are these are important to remember going forward because these are not in dispute. So, fact number one, we know that Kristen Deedy and Bob Anderson traveled from Bloomington, Minnesota, to Wishek, North Dakota, which is where Kristen grew up.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Fact two, they were together when they were last seen on Sunday, August 15th, 1993. Three... Their vehicle was later discovered about 100 miles away. Four, this is still considered a cold case by law enforcement. It's been now almost three decades since they disappeared, but it's still an active investigation. Five, law enforcement believes they were murdered, but their bodies have never been recovered. And that's based on uh, the North Dakota Bureau of Criminal Investigation says that uh, they're believed to have been uh, homicide victims. Right. Fact six, officials haven't named anyone publicly as a suspect in the case or arrested anyone in connection to their disappearance. And finally, related, uh, you can call this fact seven, but I think it's just an underlying approach here that's really important as we move forward. In our reporting, just like before law, everyone should be considered innocent until they're proven guilty. You know, if someone came in starting from from scratch, uh, that's what, you'd start with right I mean that's your set of okay that's the best we got but and here's where I want to put on my interviewer hat for a second James the first question I asked you when I started this project and what I want to ask you now is this why do you care so much about this case
0: right so I've been looking at this for a long time as I mentioned I started blogging about this in like 2016 or something and to answer your question why do I care I mean that has evolved over time i don't remember why i was doing this but i was just at my computer for some reason looking at the cold cases listed at the north dakota uh, bureau of criminal investigation website they've got they list about eight to ten cases there that are cold cases i come across this case about kristen Deedee and bob anderson missing and and then i thought okay this sounds very interesting. I'm going to go watch the documentary or read the book, or I'm going to read all the articles, you know, in the media in North Dakota or YouTube videos. I want to learn all about this, which you can usually do quite often. You can do stuff like that. And I found, Mm -hmm. you know, from my home on the internet, you know, in 2016, I found nothing. And that was sort of the catalyst. I mean, that that that's what got me into it. It was like, well, now I really want to know what was going on. So that's kind of really what got me into it. And then I just, before I even started blogging about it, I just started, found myself doing things to try to find answers.
1: I think that's really valuable work because, I mean, I'll tell you, so I, in 1993, I would have been 13 years old. I lived in Fargo, North Dakota. We're talking... 180 miles roughly from where they disappeared and I don't remember this at all. I mean we're talking two people that disappeared not very far away from where I lived and I don't remember it being in the news or anything like that.
0: Right and uh, last night or a couple days ago I pulled out an old document. I don't know why I documented everything I did. I mean we're going back to 2016 or 17 here and for some reason I decided I would write down the things I had done. And I was surprised myself when I pulled it out the other night. And I'm going to not get into all the details here, but it's four pages long. I'll just read some of the stuff that's in here. You know, I went to the North Dakota State Archives and pulled out microfilm, so old articles of the Wishick Star Tribune, which is the paper in the town where they went missing. And I found no articles. You know, I thought if at least the local paper would have written about it, right? So I checked all the issues of 1993 when they went missing. So they went missing in August. So the rest of that year, didn't find anything. Mm-hmm. I also pulled some plot maps from Logan and MacIntosh counties. That will make more sense later. You know, I drove to Wishick three times. I went to the library and scanned photos from the high school yearbook. This is just halfway through page one of four pages. I went to a to a cemetery or two. Okay, here's one thing. I interviewed the editor, Fran Mateo, of the Wishick Star, and I asked him why there were no articles about this case. And he says, he thinks uh, back then, in the first year or so, people just thought they would show up sometime, you know. And he says the community still does not talk about this case to this day. And then, I'm just going to turn the page here to just page two of four. You know, I won't go through all of this, but I spoke to Kristen Didi's mother. You know, I started getting into this closer. And then I talked to a pastor in Wishick, in the town they disappeared. He said he's never heard of this case. I'm just going to stop with my notes right there for now. But it took me a while to find Bob Anderson's family. And the first person I talked to was, I still remember it to this day, so Bob's brother-in-law, Mike picks up a phone somewhere in Minnesota and I start, you know, what do I say? I'm not mm. I'm just this guy who's wondering by any chance, are you related to Bob Anderson who is missing? And he's like, Yes. Well, sometime after that I traveled to Minnesota. I decided well, I'd start blogging about this. Like just on your own. Just on my own. Yeah. Again, I'm this is just a hobby or something I'm doing in the evenings. And I meet I met the Andersons. I met several of the Anderson family, including chase anderson who we just heard here and i'm sort of watching his journey or struggle i would say from afar like he said he told us he's had a lot of struggles right with drugs and other things and uh in fact just a couple years ago he was in jail again and you know i think he said he's been clean now well as of october two years and three months his childhood obviously has plagued him a lot right and i'm rooting for this guy chase you know he's He's a good mm-hmm. guy. He's, he's a good guy. He just has had a lot of struggles, and he's really, as I think we heard, he just really wants to do the right thing for his kids. But that's why I care more today. And you know, I get now at this point, I get Christmas cards from the Andersons, fam, Anderson family, and <laughs> things like that. So that's kind of the background of my journey on all this. I, I'd say it's just speaking for myself.
1: It's it's remarkable uh, for someone to stay as dogged as you've been on this to try to pull together all the known information. Um, and so I think that's kind of why I'm really excited to be part of putting this podcast out is that it's it feels like the sum total of all this work that you've done um, to to kind of get this all together in one spot. Um, you're doing a good thing, and I'm glad we're, we're doing this together. So yeah, obviously, you've done quite a lot of work. Um, but I know from my own reporting process that especially with complicated stories, there's always hurdles to overcome. There's always stumbling blocks that happen, um, yeah. especially with something historical, especially in the past. What what has been challenging as you've worked on this project already?
0: One thing I've learned is that it's so easy to get stories crossed and people are not necessarily lying. They're definitely not lying. People believe they're telling the truth, but they've just got their memory lo- wrong. Or, you know, I'll just give a couple examples. Mm. Like, Every story I've worked on, people have said, oh, I saw that on Dateline or I saw that on Unsolved Mysteries. But they haven't. You know, it's pretty easy to fact check. Has the Barbara Cotton story ever been on, you know, Unsolved Mysteries? No, but there are people who will say, oh, I absolutely saw that on Unsolved Mysteries. They're not trying to deceive. They just got it wrong. So that's one of the hurdles I think we're, you know, I've seen is trying to find the facts when you're dealing off of memories from three or four decades ago. That's definitely one of them. Mm -hmm. And sometimes just getting people to talk, I guess, is a hurdle. How about about yourself? What kind of, I mean, you've got a lot of experience in this as well.
1: Uh, I know something uh, that can always be a problem is you get conflicting stories. Uh, And I think that relates to memory is that people remember things differently uh, or they remember their part in it differently or they remember, you know, what they said or what somebody said differently. And so yeah. um, it's always valuable, of course, to check with multiple people who are involved in the same situation to see, you know, what their perspective was of what happened, uh, just because it can really help you get to the bottom of what actually did happen. But I know that can be tricky to navigate is is different stories, conflicting stories. I'll tell you something else that I've uh, struggled with a lot in reporting is People forget, I think, sometimes kind of what the burden of proof is for reporting something. It's not good enough to just have heard it somewhere, right? Um, it's not good enough that somebody maybe heard it from somebody who heard it from somebody. Um, that's that's not – it doesn't meet the level of journalism, of of, of quality reporting that uh, we try to maintain. And so, um, you know, I'd, I've had to do this a lot in my own reporting career is uh, deal with people who are like, well, why can't you report on that? And it's like, well, we, I don't – we don't have – The facts nailed down here we don't have anybody on the record we don't have documents showing that um and those those are important things to get you can't just kind of just say what you think happened right um without without saying it like that you can't pretend like that's what happened right um and i think that's something uh that's an important uh important approach to bring to something like this just to keep us grounded in facts and not get Distracted or led down trails of of things that we can't prove because there's always interesting details in in cases like this. There's always or interesting rumors that you hear or things like that that sound interesting or could make for a good story, but but that doesn't make them true. And and until you can nail them down, it's not right to call them anything but what they are, which is rumors or you know um, hearsay. We take this seriously. We care about the family. The family cares about what we're doing, and. It's important to us that we get this right. Absolutely. So all this work that uh, that you've done, that we've done, uh, has resulted in a lot of information most people don't know before, a lot of it that hasn't gone public, and it's all here uh, for the first time, all in one place, this podcast. So can you give our listeners a sneak peek of what
0: they're going to learn over this season? I will give you all a sneak peek. So one of the things we've learned a lot more about is the vehicle they were traveling in and where it was found, and why the location where it was found is significant. We also um, learned a lot about what law enforcement think, or at least what they've told the families about this case. We've learned a lot about Bob Anderson uh, as a person, who he was, what was going on in his life at the time, when he disappeared, some of his background, and Kristen Deedy and her past. We learned a lot about her. And the same thing there. What was going on in her life right at that time when she went missing? We've also learned about Kristen's marriage. She was married at the time, not to Bob Anderson. We've learned why her marriage was ending and how she got to know Bob in the first place. We also learned about The disappearance, what happened right after they went missing, how long it took for them to be reported as missing, and things like that. We've learned about their kids. Both Bob and Kristen had two kids, not with each other. They had two kids of their own. We've learned a lot about them. Um, Chase Anderson is one of those kids that we've already met. And we've also learned about a version, one theory of what might have happened to them that is most likely just nonsense. So that is sort of a sneak peek of some of the areas that we're going to dive into. And we're just going to dedicate this season of Dakota Spotlight, season six, to finding answers and hopefully justice for Chase Anderson and all the loved ones of Kristen Deedee and Bob Anderson. And Jeremy and I are going to do this together.
1: So, yeah, we've learned a lot that we're
0: going to share, but this is also a
1: live investigation. We're going to be doing this in real time as we're as we're putting out this podcast. We're going to put out what we know, but also... Uh, be doing work in the meantime and and bringing in tips from listeners and and working on them. So, you know, we we have and will be talking to people that haven't been interviewed by investigators. Uh, We'll have evidence out there that's never been public before. We're going to work through the possibilities of what might happen to them that day as best as we can. And through it all, we're really linking together a series of events now that span three decades and three states as we try to get to the bottom of what happened to
0: them that day. That's exactly right. And we invite all of you to come along with us on this season six of Dakota Spotlight.
2: If I could like say to her right now, if I could go back, I would tell her whatever it is you have up there isn't worth it.
0: And that was the last person to see him in uh, our family couple of people that just vanished off the face of the earth. Dakota Spotlight is a production of Forum
1: Communications. Remember, the investigation into what happened to Kristen and Bob remains an open case. Everyone is innocent until proven guilty in a court of law.
0: If you have any information about this case, contact law enforcement at the Logan County, North Dakota Sheriff's Office. The number is 701-754-2495. Please consider subscribing to the podcast on Spotify or Apple or anywhere you get your podcasts. If you like this show and want others to discover it, please consider leaving a review and rating on Apple Podcasts. And why not join the Dakota Spotlight Facebook group? Just search Dakota Spotlight on Facebook. Thank you for listening. To support my work, get early access, listen ad-free, and much more, please consider subscribing to Spotlight Plus. Learn more about Spotlight Plus at dakotaspotlight.com.